This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by the affable, wonderful, former Manchester United defender, Paul Parker. How are you doing, Paul? I'm fine, thank you very much, Wayne. Noticed I was dancing all around legendary. Yeah, yeah I, I, I like your work now. <laughs> I've been told off too many times in the past, but um, I still slipped in. I still said legendary, and he, you know. <laughs> Um, it is what it is. Um, Talking Devils brought to you in association with Classic Football Shirts. Um, they have a class, a range of classic shirts and sportswear online and in their physical stores, which are now reopened. I had a trip to the Manchester one last weekend and um, some great shirts in there. Um, that just It's just a, a great journey, a nostalgic journey, if anything, you know, even if you don't buy anything. Um, if you listen to this podcast, you can get a 10% discount using TOTD10. At the checkout online. Um, okay, so Paul, uh, before we talk about United, you have been around the London grounds this weekend, haven't you? Um, first of all, went to Brentford um, to see. Um, f- well, I mean, they, they got so close last season, and it looked as if the fates were conspiring against them this weekend. But um, it's like almost like a in football, there isn't good versus evil. But it felt a little bit like that for Brentford to triumph, didn't it? Yeah, I think it did in the end. And I think there's a lot of people who are who are pleased that they've got themselves in a position to maybe go and do something, do something about what happened last year. The club itself, I've been there a few times this season and everyone around it knows that they, 
they let themselves down last season and getting getting to the playoffs after sitting there and in control of your own destiny to guarantee promotion and you lose it I think it does it does affect everybody and not many teams recover from missing out automatically to actually to go up through the playoffs because there's maybe a, maybe one too many negatives in maybe too many players heads about question are they good enough and I think that's what happened to them in the end and now they've got the opportunity to go back up and what I've seen of them on um, four occasions this season is that you know they're a good side and they've been they've lost so many key players I mean seriously key key players they've lost regular players I mean they've got one of the maybe the best left back in in that championship in Rico Henry mm. um, they've got another lad in midfield um, De Silva I don't, was it Josh De Silva I think his name is he, he was a lad who got sent off against Spurs and they made a big fuss about questioning the tackle and that when it wasn't that bad but I saw him on the pitch he was on crutches so that's two I've named I'm sure they're missing four or five key players and the manager hasn't complained he's got on with it you know because he just knows what's complaining do all you're doing is making other play, your other squad players feel negative because they're suddenly you know in, oh we're only here because he ain't in here and the manager's missing him he keeps talking all the time in the press and moaning about his injuries and he didn't moan once Thomas Frank so um, at the back of it he's brought in other players and and they've done really well to be where they are and, and the model of the club is that if they do get up it's a massive achievement because from my days at Queen's Park Rangers we played Brentford in pre-season games because there was always in around the third division. So that was a pre-season game. Now they've taken massive strides and they've overstepped Queen's Park Rangers. And Queen's Park Rangers have had two opportunities. Or oh, sorry, they was in the inaugural Premier League, but they fell out. They've gone back in on two occasions and blowing it through greed. Mm. They haven't done this, Brentford. They took a lot of stick for getting rid of their um, academy system and they went into a business mode. And I think they're proving that the business mode is working really, really well because they're introducing players. Those players have gone on. Some of them have gone on and been sold. Ollie Watkins, to name but one. Yeah. And I think if you go through the Premier League, there's there's lots of players who have come through that through them, their business model and, and it was working for them. But the, the cherry on top is promotion as well and they won't change their model that they're in the Premier League they will still keep it going the same they will not go out and spend millions and millions on players just to stay there they believe that they can just go out find these players from all over the world I have even heard a sneaky thing on when I was there on Saturdays that they're looking more into South America now as well because because of Brexit Europe's becoming a little bit difficult as you would expect, because Brexit's been pushed under the under the carpet, and that's mostly why we're hearing more stories about COVID rather to hide the fact about Brexit and the problems it's causing. So they've realised that, and they're going down that road now. So I think there's a lot of clubs who'll be looking at Brentford and looking at the benefits of the way they've gone. And the major benefit is that they've gone from a, a horrible-looking shantytown stadium, which you could which you could see. You could see from the elevated section in the M4 at Chiswick to this state-of-the-art, brand-new ground, which you can still see off the elevated section on the um, M4, which just looks initially looks like a warehouse. And then as you get closer, you can actually see the floodlights in it. So um, it is a, it's very compact, and it's a, got a great atmosphere. 4,500 in that stadium on Saturday. 
honestly, you would have thought it was full up, 17 half, so you'd have thought there had been 17,500 there, which is their limit, because it was an incredible atmosphere, helped mainly by the fact of how um, Bournemouth conducted themselves. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, good luck to Brentford. Hopefully second time lucky for promotion for them. Um, United, let's, might as well talk about them. It's United podcast. We've managed yeah. five minutes so far. Um, not really much to go over the Fulham game last week, but um, we've got to talk about the Cavani goal, Paul. Um, an outstanding goal. And, and it's one of those where... At least the fans are in the ground to see that. I mean, there's nothing else to write home about that game. It was dreadful apart from the goal. Um, but, you know, it's one of those as well. You think, oh, they're playing for a final place. But Ollie's selection policy this season, probably for the better overall, has meant that, you know, a few of those players were just sort of coasting through that game because it meant nothing, really. Um, apart from Cavani scoring that goal um, on what a goal. Yeah, it was a hell of a goal, it was, and no, there was nothing else to talk about. There would be talking too many negatives if we did go fully about it. I still question whether or not there was any touch. Mm. It could be deemed offside. I don't think there was any touch because the ball never deviated at mm. all from that kick out from um, De Gea. Yeah. It was De Gea, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was De I don't think there was the ball deviated at all. I don't think De, De Gea didn't mean that ball. Mm. I don't think, and there, I don't think there was. I think VAR have got away with that one, but I just don't see how VAR could have come out and said, "Yeah, there was a touch," because you didn't see any deviation of the ball to suggest that he got any touch. Did and was it? Did it change? Did the ball move as he touched it and went round the side? I can't think who the defender was who went down the side of, but I would say no. The defender missed it. It went past his leg because he was affected by. Fernandez running across him so I don't think it was so it could have been deemed offside but then it would have been harsh to take away a goal like that because that just says everything about Cavani and how his season has been it's just a crying shame really that Oli initially decided that he'll keep Cavani on the bench to keep playing Martial things could have been a little bit different maybe three four points closer to City because of that situation of Oli maybe um, showing a little bit you know, showing a little bit too much sentiment towards Martial and not playing Cavani from the out from the outset. Yeah, it's an interesting one that you mentioned that, which I, I was going to talk about. Um, Greenwood, I know we've we've both been fairly critical of the way that he's played mostly this season. He's had a, a good run towards the end, not not brilliant, but good enough to think, all right, he's 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 turning it around a little bit, and obviously worth persevering with. But you look at Greenwood and you look at Cavani playing the way that they have. And United, uh, I mean, we'll talk about Ahmad in a moment because he played quite well yesterday and you've obviously got Rashford who's a main player there. And United are looking for probably a winger, possibly a striker. It's very difficult to see how Martial gets back into this, isn't it really? Because it's like um, everything that you don't see in his game we've seen it in Cavani and we've seen how it improves the team which is a big telling point isn't it yeah I mean it sticks out like a sore thumb and I think every United fan <clears throat> if he was to leave Cavani out to bring in Martial United fans would be on a negative to be honest really they would straight away look at that and they would question Oli you know if he was a if it was a big game and he was to play Martial before Cavani it just wouldn't work for Oli he'd put himself on the, on the back foot mm. and I think even 
someone, even anyone who claims to be a football fan, oh, sorry, a football fan, oh, sorry, I mean a, wants to be a coach or a wannabe manager, would have a right to say that's the wrong decision because it would be the wrong decision. He's had his chance, he's never grabbed it. When he has scored a goal and gone and played well, then he's had the opportunity to go on and add consistency to, to, to build off the back of it and then to get people really talking about him. He hasn't done it, Martial. And then when he hasn't played well and he gets taken off, he's even not willing to accept that. He wants to get grumpy and pull a face and ask a question. If you can't take the opportunity, you've got to accept it. I don't mean by coming off smiling. You come off and you, you, you turn around and you, you high-five or whatever you do, fist pump with, fist bump with the person who's coming on. That's what you do because it's you know you haven't done your bit. You got to give someone else the opportunity. You go that way. You be professional, but he doesn't do that. So there has to be a change it's with him. I think I think there's going to be a, a massive loss in an investment on him. Even though when he first came, everyone said fifty million. You got something here you can build on. Into that, what's happened in today's world so far suggests it's going to be even lower than what people would have expected because of the pandemic. So you're not going to get a lot back in return. The thing about it now, it'd be interesting if Oli did play him to see how much of a difference it has made to him in his head yeah. about how things are. Does he just think, well, OK, I'm content? Or does he think, I want to prove a point and try and add a little bit of work rate and endeavour to mm. his game? Yeah, you would say the onus is he's definitely, if he had another chance, and you wouldn't put it past Oli to do that. Um, do you see Oli? Do you see Martial changing? That's the that's the big sixty million dollar question, and I think when you look at probably three years ago, when when Mourinho was going to get rid of him, he'd had three years at the club, and there was a, a sort of school of thought thinking, you know, Mourinho made a few, more than a few, um, errors of judgment, but I, I think if he'd got rid of Martial then. I don't think anyone would have really complained. Well, they would have complained because Mourinho did it and he, there was the, such a division in the camp. But I think if you did not add Martial, if you did, let's say we'd had £60 million and we bought another attacker and Martial had done what he'd done for the last three years at another club, you wouldn't have thought that we'd missed out. He had a purple patch last season, but um, yeah, he hasn't really followed it up with that. But yeah, we talk about really the positive side of that and that's Cavani coming in and doing as well as he had and scoring a goal that... Um, Probably the goal of the season and a good, a good one because uh, the fans were there to see it. Um, takes us to um, Sunday, Wolves. I know you were at West Ham um, for, to see West Ham finish the season with a bit of a bang. Um, United. I, I mean, the things that we can talk about that you can certainly give your opinion on with this. Um, I know that you probably caught the highlights, but not the full game. Um, the team selection, Paul. We've talked a lot about selections this season and uh, performances and the momentum that this team sort of has a need sometimes because of the, the way that we've been stumbling. I know that you're not a big fan, and neither am I of, like these mass rotations, but perhaps, perhaps it works this time. Perhaps, like, you know, taking, like, 10 out, and we'll talk about the selections for the final in a moment, but making that big change and seeing a decent performance at Wolves, uh, not brilliant, but decent considering outside those games have traditionally been and then United coming through and winning and having that positive spring in the step and a rest for the players uh, perhaps that's the best way for Ollie to have managed it, what do you think? Well, the proof will be 
in the final, <laughs> yeah. really. Yeah. I, mean, that, I mean, that's the obvious one. That's what anybody would say. Don't have to be an ex-player or anything to say that. That's the obvious one. You knew the answer to that one, Wayne, already. But, I mean, let me just... I would look at another team that's in the final and look what they've done mm. in their game. They go and win 5-0 against Everton, who, away form... I think has only been really in theory second to Manchester United Everton's their away form yeah it's been good such or close close to second I mean there's a great gap of course but their, their, their away form is far better than their home form so they go away to City but all of a sudden you look at that City team and you think to yourself I'm going to turn around and say and someone might just go higher than that Paul but I think a minimum of eight of them will play in the final yeah Eight of them were playing the final. United have been just been mixed bags all the way through, and you can talk about rest and whatever. But even when he played a few of them, quite a few against Fulham, it was poor against Fulham, a poor, poor performance. And if Fulham had sneaked that game a one-two-one, everyone would have been bang straight in the back of Oli, and I think rightly so because it was a poor performance. And I think since that Leicester game. I think the selection, I think that Leicester game has, has caused more problems than what Oli has really, really, really understands. I don't think, I don't know if he's realised it. No one's really talking about it, but I really believe that Leicester game, in his team selection for that game, and it didn't help because he made so many and he got questioned in the press. Mm about it but I don't think it should never have been questioned it's up to him he names a squad and as long as those players come from within that squad he's named to the Premier League he can practically do what he wants you could talk about other teams you ask the question would they do it for you if they were in that same position the answer to that is of course they wouldn't do anything for you they'd think about themselves so Ollie will talk about players welfare and all that rubbish I always say they're not digging roads so they're not going to be worried about hitting someone overhead with a shovel so, so they're fine. They don't, you know, they're yeah. they're fit. They're athletes. So any, you know, they're playing football. They love something. So that adds a little extra bit of energy to anything. If you love what you do, you're willing to go through a brick wall if it, if you see a shiny medal on the other side of it, and of course a, qu- a few quid as well. So I just don't think they've got they're going into this final with any continuity at all. You can talk about players being rested. Ollie's come out and he's talked about. Oh, look what La Liga's done. They've given, they moved the game forward for Villarreal. So they've got an extra, they've got an extra day's rest. Please, Ollie, stop that. Stop that. That is petty, in my opinion. You don't need to be saying anything like that. And as, as a few people wrote after, he's making excuses already. He mostly wasn't making an excuse. He's just seen something, which everyone's been saying for the last... 20, 30, 40, 50, when it was Football League, because football started before 92. So Football League would be do, weren't helping Liverpool in Europe when they were dominant. But they still carried on and done it. But we never got that all there. So what the league would do that? But, you know, at the end of the day, look look at how many English sides, British, look at the way the British sides have been in Europe over this last year, two years. And that suggests that because La Liga give them an extra day, it's no guarantee. They haven't been great in Europe for the last for a few years now, Spanish as such. Mm. So I really got to stop doing that. And, well, I don't know if it's to take onus away from the way the team at the moment, but if, if I'm him, I'll be a little bit worried and disturbed that they're going in to a major final for him with no momentum. Yeah. No momentum at all. And I don't... I, 
I really don't understand what his brief is at this moment in time to have gone and done what he's done. He hasn't got a good performance behind him in what in the last five games. Forget about the one, that's irrelevant, that one yeah. against Wolves. Totally irrelevant because of the team he named. Great that some of the players have come in and done what they've done. Good for Wayne Matter to go and scored, gone and done what he's done. But there's certain players certain players need games to keep ticking over. I think Cavani needs games to tick over. Just yeah. to keep going and going, you know, and things. He doesn't always need to keep stopping and starting all the time. You need to keep running him because otherwise he might come out and splutter for a while. Yeah. Fergie used you know? to say that about some players. Like, yeah, throw a bread, yeah. just keep him in the side. Yeah, you do. I mean, if I, you know, I named the ones I play, but, you know, we were saying that we had no great choice. If you was fit in there and you play, you would never come out and say you was tired. If the boss says you're looking tired, you're turn and say, no, you'd, you wouldn't come out, yeah, boss, I'm feeling that way. You'd go straight in the defensive, no, I'm feeling great, boss. And then when you go and play, you'd go and, if you run 100 yards, if you run 100 yards in a minute, you would make sure you'd run 101 yards in a minute to prove to him you're not, because you had that bit between your teeth to prove somebody wrong that you're tired. Now every player can't wait to be tired. Mm. You know. No, you're right. Um, I, I, I do think like that. You know, he said about the um, them having an extra day. It means nothing because you've rested the entire team, so you've had an extra yeah. three days. Do you know, like it just yeah. and, and it does smack of it. The, it does sort of indicate the groundwork for an excuse, and you don't, you just kind of don't want to hear that, really, when you're preparing for a final. Um, but let, let's talk about just before we preview the final fully. Um, the league season concluded. Then we we sort of stumbled to second. In the I say stumbled, we fully deserving of second place, but it wasn't confirmed by our results. It was like other teams doing stuff that sort of confirmed our place at second, which is kind of par for what we expected the way that we sort of not drifted but weren't as strong towards the end there was that few sort of sloppy performances um, but second place nonetheless is a massive um, I say massive it's a massive step forward from last season compared to what I was expecting at the start of this season I remember these podcasts we were doing after the, the Spurs game and thinking we might not finish in the top four here and I, I, I'm pretty sure that I went on record saying I didn't expect Holly to last the season because of the way that we were I mean at that time the first three games of the season there was Palace could have scored more than three against us. Brighton should have won against us, and Pal- and Spurs could have scored more than six. So I, I was thinking Ali might not last the season here. Yeah. Um, but one thing you can say is that there's definite progress from last season. He's turned it around. He's been given the benefit of patience, and he's shown the benefit of patience. Um, and I, I guess really, whether or not the the majority of people see it as progress for for the. the um, for the rain is whether or not we win on on Wednesday, like you, you said earlier. Like I think it's the season as a whole rather than the league season. Rather than, yeah, it's nice to finish the the league season unbeaten away from home. But I think anyone associated with the United, as as much as we appreciate that, it's just a record. It's just an anomaly. Um, I'm not one to be proud of. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, it's happened four times in history. I don't think it unless you win something, it's not representative of how great you've done. It's just a really good run of fixtures and performances and results. I'm not downplaying that. I'm just saying that it means nothing until you win something. Um, which you know, hopefully, if and if we do win on Wednesday, maybe it contributes to that a little bit. Um, before before we talk about the game itself, Paul, you as a former player. 
Um, you didn't get to play in a Euro, uh, European final, um, unfortunately, but you should have done because you were a team that was good enough to. Um, but when you sign for United, how quickly does the, the importance of European football to the club hit you? Well, it hit me straight away when I arrived because United were still off the back of the Cup Winners' Cup. Mm-hmm. And it was massive then. It was what everyone was talking about. Initially, when I joined... No, I felt for the first two months or so of just signing, some of it like pre-season, um, some of it at the start of the first, my first season, 91, 92, every, every event that went on, I wasn't in really involved because it was related to Europe, to the um, Cup Winners' Cup. Yeah. So the players were going to all these different events or things, photographs would be taken and I was on the peripheral of it. Me and Big Pete and Andre were on the peripheral of it all because of... It was all the other players who had been involved in it. Mm. So that was a, a di- definitely a different thing for me to be used to that because I've always, from where I come from, from the back end of my time at Fulham and then when I come from QPR, I'd always been one of the, one of the main players as such. So for that to happen, but then <laughs> I look at, at all the players around me and I was in a completely you know, different league. You know, At the time, the players were incredible. Incredible level they work, where even to where I come from, you know, the, just everything, the credentials of those players were absolutely above something that I, you know, that I couldn't even, can't even think of words to explain it. Mm. I wouldn't go as far as saying it was Premier League because I wouldn't want to disrespect them that much by saying it's a Premier League level. I was just saying it was just a level above from where I come from, being around the dressing room. But mm. I didn't really feel initially that it was easy to to get in there because of how much it meant but once that was kind of gone on and then we got into that first season all of a sudden then it was typical because because of the way the boss is he had done something once and he wanted to do it again yeah and that wasn't good enough just doing it once and to be honest it wasn't about right we're going to go and win the FA Cup and we're going to go and win the Cup Winners Cup it wasn't about that it was about getting to a European final but the final he wanted was a European Cup and the European Cup was the meant that you had to win a league and that's why yes it was important for United to win a league but it was just as important for United to win a European Cup a Champions League as such as now we have to use that word um, so <clears throat> it was in, it was imperative it was what it was what you suddenly realise is what the club's all about yeah can I just ask a, a quick a quick question on that? You know, mm. we obviously United have been lucky to have made a few European finals. Um, sixty eight, ninety one, ninety nine. Obviously, the two thousand eight final, um, the the Champions League finals that we lost, um, and the Europa final that we won as well. Um, you were part of a team that didn't. I don't mean to drum that again. I know I said it earlier, but the reason why I mentioned it—I'll get, I'll get over that one. <laughs> um, the reason why I mentioned it, hopefully you'll appreciate where I'm going with this. Um, the Babes were obviously a great side who, who didn't make the final as well for a very different reason. Um, but the reason why I'm saying this too is—is is it, it? I know you were a winner. You were in the the, the business of winning. But very few people will talk about the team that you were in in '94 and say that you weren't good enough to win the European Cup. They'll say that you should have won a European Cup, and they say that about the Babes as well. Is that is it consolation? Is it is it romantic company to keep that you know people talk about you in in those kind of terms? 
No, it's not something I'd like to hear because it's, well, but you, you look at it, it's hypothetical really. We didn't really get the opportunity to play all together to actually to really go for it. We had to make too many changes, too many sacrifices to try and get through it. Mm. And I think at the end of the day, I look at it and I look at my time I was at Manchester United and I look at it in, look at it in the property way of things. I look at from when I was there and I look at the players I played with I look at it that that we started. We was the foundation of what's been built, of what's of what Sir Alex built. Really, it started off with the um, <coughs> FA Cup and the Cup Winners Cup, and all of a sudden, then the top part of the foundation come from winning from winning that league title, that first league title, mm. and then it, and that's when it had to go on from there. And to be put, if I used, if I can say it as well, is that the roof was put on the property when Manchester United won that. European Cup in 1999 that was the roof on the property yeah after after all that foundation that's putting in that hard work and the boss installing in everybody that winning something once is not enough and then if you do go and win it again winning it, winning it again is not enough because you have to have the same appetite I got that you want to do it again people won't you know I think his, his attitude was people British people English people whatever it is we don't like we don't like consistent winners. We want different teams to win it. So his his idea was, let's annoy people, let's get on people's nerves, and consistently go out to try and be the best. Yeah. And that's the way it is. And and he's right about that. You know, <laughs> many years we saw Steve Davis kept winning snookers, but on board and Pip gets it on board, and someone else win it. If that person's good enough, it's up to everyone else to try. Mm. And everyone be bitter, twisted, jealous of that individual. But at the end of the day, you commend them because there's no one out there good enough. It's not his fault that he can just beat people. His mindset is that is in that mode that he just wants to win things, and that's the way the boss was. Mm. So so competitive. We you know we do the boxes every morning. We trained at the cliff, and we'd have two boxes. One would be the Premier League box, would call the, you know the first team box as such, and there was all the likes of the Gary Nevilles and all them there. Gigs are used to join in with them, go and join in them. Before we, this is before we even started training. The boss would try, join in with us, and the moment you, the boss will get close. The moment you nutmeg him or you done something, you had a little bit of a laugh to yourself. The next time that ball comes in, comes into you, the boss will even. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it doesn't matter if the ball's there or not. He'll come and try and snap you. <laughs> you know, and you didn't know whether to take him serious or laugh and if you laughed you, you think oh you have a laugh of him alright you know and it would turn it would look at you and you think to yourself God hope, you know and you're worried then for the rest of the training sessions because you think you've upset him but, but he was just determined not to get beaten he wanted to be able to join in and feel part of the squad he was in yeah. it was the squad that he, he'd got all of us together he, you know same as now I wish I could just go and join in and with a bunch of lads and go and kick about of them but at my age I could go and join in with them after 10 minutes I'd be going cool I wish I hadn't started this because now I've got to finish it and by the following <laughs> day I'd, I'd be saying to myself I wish I hadn't started that at all I got run rings yeah. around by my 14 year old sister in, in Lowe's yeah. so, 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 but yeah. you talk about din- dynasties and you talked about Fergie relentlessly winning in the 90s and that attitude that was in there and it was a new attitude as I say new attitude it was obviously born from what happened at Liverpool and how relentless United needed to be to match that because dynasties back in the day when you were growing up when the Busby era was there 
I mean, no, that was just in your baby days, so I don't want to say that you've lived all of it. I'm not trying to make you feel old as, as well as not winning the European Cup. Oh, you, you can do that, Wayne, but without even meaning to do it, you can do that. <laughs> I think that I'm doing unintentionally, but the, the reason why I've mentioned the Busby era is that they talked about that as an era of dominance with the babes. And yes, I know that the, um, the crash had a massive part to play in that. <laughs> But look at Bobby Charlton, for example. He won three league titles and a European Cup and an FA Cup and then four Charity Shields and three Youth Cups, which is a really respectable haul. But the the relentless kind of trophy picking that you guys did in the 90s redefined what success was. It, it laid down a different kind of marker because, it, like you said, it was a dynasty of... Um, I'm not saying this to dilute what the the Busby era did, but I'm, I'm talking about the difference in attitudes towards dynasties, and obviously the the rules in entering competitions changed, so you couldn't always have a go at the European Cup every year. Like Paul said, if you wanted to win it, you had to win the league to have a chance to win it. That's how it was in the sixties. So it it makes those kind of trophy halls um, more respectable. What the um, the guys achieved back in the 50s and 60s but I'm saying like Bobby Charlton as an example for three league titles and we talked before on this podcast that you should have three as well um, so, so you've basically matched Bobby Charlton's whole for United which is reflective of what Fergie was doing back in those days and I, that's the kind of where I'm going with that really to sort of like say like it was such a rich era for, for us as fans and I know that, yeah, that I'm, I have fully expected you to kind of say it wasn't a consolation, but for us as fans, just to say, like, you know, you, we grew up watching you, and I know that there's fans of my era, who, and probably fans of the Babes era who would mark you down as the second favourite team, because you know, obviously the Babes would be their favourite team, but they would talk about that 94 side as reminiscent of that um, attitude and... Yeah, it's just so interesting um, for me. I could talk to you all day about um, that. Let, let's talk about the this European final then, because we've got one on Wednesday. Um, having built up all that time, um, before we talk about oh, no, let's talk about Villarreal. Um, let's talk about what they've done this season. So they've finished seventh. Um, having a look through their results, rarely embarrassed. Um, they had a really good run at the start of the season where they I think they only lost one game before Christmas or something they were doing really well in the top four um, that slid away after the new year so they've lost quite a few games but um, like I said rarely embarrassed in the Europa League um, not great opponents that they've had to knock out but they've only conceded one two three goals in the knockout round which is some good going, isn't it, Paul? I mean, they've got a. I mean, the goal threat is obviously going to come from Gerard Moreno, who's the outstanding striker in that side. He's having the season of his life. Um, but they did finish seventh in the league. Um, it's kind of like the Sociedad game, in, in a sense, but Sociedad, who sort of went suicidal with not knowing how to play against us, Villarreal will have, like Granada did done their own work and they'll be looking at just replicating those kind of tight games that they've had this season like me if anyone watched what they did against Real Madrid very very tight very unfortunate not to get a result um, so they know what to do um, against a good team and against teams better than us so how, how are you expecting this one to go um, the, the game itself we'll talk about the selections in a moment for, for United but the game itself how are you thinking well I'm just I'm 
I just think it's going to be such a difficult, such a difficult game. I mean, you look at them, and <clears throat> when you're talking about scoring goals, and like they were the fourth, fourth best attack inside in La Liga. Mm. You know, then you look at them def- defensively, and what's that? They were eighth, eighth best defensively as well. In that sense, I know it doesn't mean a lot. <clears throat> I think, but no one's really paid attention to other leagues because of there's been so much football on here to go and watch. Spanish football, I think, would kind of send people numb and they wouldn't need an injection, would they? It'd be numb. The amount of football we've watched, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's going to ease off now. What are people going to do? We're going to have to end up chewing our fingernails more now with no football on. <coughs> and then with the, with the Euros coming up as well, I suppose it adds a little bit, but I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if I'm over-interested now at this moment in time. I think I just need a break. But it, it does worry me because of the manager. Emery, he's gone back, he's made a difference as a man, manager to Villarreal. Mm. And we did play Villarreal a lot of times in the Champions League under Sir Alex. It seems like every, just think that every year seemed to have him in the group or something it's for some nil, reason. Nil every single yeah, every time. Every single time, yeah. And I always, I always enjoyed watching Villarreal yeah. at, um, at Old, Old Trafford. One, I like their kit. You know, there's just something about it. I wouldn't want to see too many English sides in it, but I just like the kit and I just love watching Raquel me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was a fantastic footballer, so underrated, and just wonder why he stayed there for so long. But they were a very, very good side. They had the central midfield player, the black central midfield player. I can't Senna. remember what his name is. Senna. Senna. We were linked with him a few times, weren't we? So, yeah. Oh, what a, wonder, what a wonderful footballer he was. Yeah. You know, and he. He just looked, you know, he looked about as much as at that given time. He looked as much Spanish as I did Russian, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. You know, it was just strange just saying there was this black man and he was Spanish, you know. But what a wonderful footballer he was, and he was so underrated. But he was key. He was key for them in that midfield, controlled everything. Um, but I just think it's, it's difficult, really, really difficult about this game and. Everyone's looking at United. Haven't really played anybody of any sorts. Nothing's really been that tough for them. And I think that's the way it's been. I think that's the way Europe's been. That's Europe's been. I think that's the way football's been, really. It's one of those, if you're going to do something big in football, this was the season to go and do it. Yeah. Because it's not going to be like this again. You're not going to see Everton have this great away record. You're not going to see United next season go unbeaten all again away from home you're not going to see West Ham suddenly qualify for Europe like the way they have done this season West Ham have gone and achieved something they wouldn't have achieved in a normal season I think they know it their fans definitely know it because they all live all around me they've just enjoyed the moment they've taken it that way wonderful moment top London side as well finishing above Spurs is they absolutely absolutely loving that moment of finishing the top above Spurs for the first time since 2008 so they're loving it you know, so it's just one of those moments, and I just think for Ollie, this is a moment he's got to go and grab. There was at one point, if it wasn't for the Sheffield United, the Everton at home, and a another game, that United they were there, and all of a sudden you were talking about winning the league. Yeah. But he, but they let their guard down, and and they got and they got found out. Sheffield United, key game, and they blew it. Absolutely blew that opportunity to win that game and put severe pressure on City. And all of a sudden, then you can look at City, how they ended the season, and you can go if, buts and maybes, but you can't do that. When it comes to league games, you can't do it because the best team wins the league. Simple as that. And when you look at Man City, they are far away ahead of every single team in 
that Premier League. And that shows by the way they finished the season. What a way to finish the season that was for them. You know, with all their playing their top players and all of them were hitting all the notes. Aguero leaving and he scores two goals. Yeah. There we are. That's, that says a lot. And they finished, they played the whole season without any, without an actual out and out centre forward playing. Yeah. You know, that says a lot about them as well. But for United to go in now, they, we know exactly how really inferior that team's going to be. We can talk with, well, I'm sure we'll get to that soon, but there's maybe just maybe two sticking points with areas we can talk about. But we know what he's going to do. He's, it's it's going to be, everything's, nothing's going to change. In, in that sense, I don't really think that he's got a plan B on that because he seems regimented in what he, he wants to do and it hopes it, it works. And, he's, and in theory, it worked against PSG the first time. It worked against PSG the second time. And, and that's what he's living I think he's living off of that to be perfectly honest so it's going to be one of those games where if creativity is going to win a game of football I hope Fernandes is tuned in because it's not going to come from anywhere else in midfield other than that you're relying on your key, your key players up front to go and pull something out of the bag yeah um, well Villarreal definitely will be and we'll talk about United selection like I said in a second but Villarreal's danger is going to be from that forward line. Just looking, at, I mean, Moreno's won because he's he's their top scorer by a, a considerable distance. But in the Europa League, they've got two forwards with six goals. They've got another with three. They've got another with two. So they've got plenty of goals in that front line. And that's the... You know, when they've got unpredictable forwards um, and unpredictable goal sources, that's... like. <laughs> the worst kind of recipe for an unpredictable defence that United have you know like um, you know they're, they're sort of handful that United um, tend to or they're sort of not handful that United seem to have but they, they're sort of the way that they seem to make everything a handful the way that they seem to make everything difficult they did it against Fulham they've done it against other teams as well um, obviously against Leicester against Liverpool Liverpool being a great side so losing losing to them or, or being carved apart by them is no massive surprise but then you know having said that we've also been carved apart in, in Europe by lesser sides um, the um, Istanbul side did us in, in Turkey uh, so I mean you look at the, the players that they've got um, in the front line and then you look at the defenders that we're going to have um, and I don't know Paul I mean the question that's been asked is mostly that it doesn't look like Maguire's going to make it I still think they're going to give him a chance but it doesn't look like he's going to make it um, so it's going to be someone partnering Lindelof and I don't know where I sit on this I really don't know where I sit on this because the obvious answer is that Lindelof is going to play because Solskjaer has never deviated from this kind of thing where he's going to make a big call like that in his back line at this moment in time. You, you, know, you can't see it. It'd be such a diversion away from what he normally does to drop Lindelof. So it's going to be someone partnering Eric Bayer and Twanzebe. Um, one of those, Bayer Twanzebe, is going to partner Lindelof. But, Paul, I look at it, I do look at it and I think when I watched them play as they did yesterday certainly not as they played against um, I think they both played together against Leicester didn't they and it wasn't very good against Leicester but how they played against Wolves I, th- I left that game thinking maybe that's a different conversation that we need to have and I, I know full well 
uh, by Antoine Zabi. It's going to be by Antoine Zabi alongside Lindelof. So that takes the other conversation, which is where do you move Lindelof? Because when when him and Bai played together, you moved the position so Lindelof played on the left-hand side and they just looked ridiculously all over the place. So is it a case of knowing that Bai can't do that and Lindelof can't do that, putting in Zabi to do what Maguire does, knowing that Bai can't do what that that role? Hmm. The only thing that I look at too and Zabi playing, <clears throat> Bai playing, is that one thing they do give to the central defence they do give it extra pace mm. um, I think they do give it more agility but like you say you're virtually losing one player if you play Bayer you're losing one player to make to make two changes in that sense because he comes out Maguire and then Lindelof has to move yeah. and Bayer has to come in to simplify his game the problem is that your uh, Lindelof game isn't simple and it becomes even more complicated when he goes on the left hand side because his 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 body strength his mental strength isn't the strongest but then when he goes on the left hand side and he's not good on his left side either comfortable then you turn you virtually weaken him again because he does get brushed aside far too easy and so too regular as well too many people are saying it about his strength and strength strength isn't about muscles it's about what's in your head really mental strength if you believe if you believe in it you can make it happen and I don't think he believes in it his game is is very insecure mm. to be perfectly honest now if Ollie's going down that road and he hasn't talked about it a lot so that suggests to me he's definitely thinking about maybe trying Maguire but if he does try him and he's virtually and it doesn't work out initially then that puts a negative if he has to take him off the field yeah. if he's stuck you know that way as well so he has to be clever he has to be a little bit clever in how he does this really is he going to go 100% you know we've seen it already when Spurs in the Champions League final they had Mora on a high got them to the final scoring you know in, those, um, in the semi-finals got them there got that goal that got them to the final everything's on a high with him and what does he do Pochettino, Pochettino he digs up a player who virtually must have put him under pressure the club are mostly putting him under pressure focal point plays him in the final against Liverpool nowhere near fit he would have seemed fitter in a wheelchair Harry Kane so you can't go down that road there's there's only so much you can do and if he goes down that road of playing a player who's not fit how many players are actually going to know know that and how many players are going to believe in what the manager has done and he could end up losing players over it Mm. if they know that he's trying to force something because he's worried about something else so he's got to make whoever he's going to play there he's got to make them believe that they're good enough surely that's his that's what he's got to be doing he's got to be making them and maybe that's one of the reasons why he's not talking a lot about Harry Maguire because he's made his mind up already and he wants those players to know that he believes in them that they're good enough to go and play in that final and that's maybe why we're not hearing all the time about Harry Maguire from Ollie coming out and saying too much about it because he doesn't want that player to suddenly think oh you know he's second string he's more concerned because he can't play Harry and if it's gone that way then that's good man management yeah no and that's one thing that we've got to say about Ollie is he's definitely had that um, the other big selection looks like the goalkeeper and I think it looks like 90% is going to be De Gea um, right choice Paul I mean well, it's, it's a rotational choice but I, for me I, I think De Gea's the better goalkeeper so play him anyway 
Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm there. I'm there with you on that one, Wayne. This, you know, these people who have been jumping on this Henderson one. I think you saw that in the game. What game was it? I think it was a Liverpool game when you suddenly saw that. It's a different kind of experience of playing for Manchester United than playing for Sheffield United. Mm as a footballer, as an outfield player and as a goalkeeper. And yeah, you can see a few saves in it, but it's only now and again when you're Sheffield United, you're caught, as you've seen them this season, that goalkeeper, he's been double relegated now. He had Bournemouth, now he's been at Sheffield United. He had so many shots against him, Ramsbottom. Good goalkeeper. But when you're constantly being shot, shot, shots, there's only so many you can keep out because mm. that's, that's the ratios of things, that's stats. You can't just suddenly judge him as a bad goalkeeper. He's just said so many shots. How many other goalkeepers would do the same? You know, you could put the so-called best goalkeeper in the world in Sheffield United's team. He will. He will concede. And they mostly still would have gone down. But how they are in between, and you judge goalkeepers on their concentration levels, in between the shot, because the shot ratio changes when you go to the bigger clubs compared to the lower clubs. And there's that bit in between... How do they, they keep their mind going and ready and prepare themselves for something that might happen out of the blue, a mistake by somebody or a great bit of play? Somebody tries and does like a Cavani against you and you're ready and you tip it over the bar because you're on your toes, you're alive still. And Henderson hasn't had that experience yet of being a number one goalkeeper at a big club. And he's just had that bit. But I still think De Gea is the number one without a doubt you you know bringing in young goalkeepers great and they've got that bit but there's two place two areas where experience for me and where they where maturity is really important is goalkeeper and centre half is it maturity is you know all the great centre halves we've talked about over the years British ones and all the ones we've looked at everybody every, you look at the ages where we start talking about them for, and, you, and you look at their ages and you go yeah it's down to maturity of being there, done it, and understanding it. And that's why and that's why he does get that De Gea. He can do that. You know, I'm sure that if it doesn't go United's way and De Gea's playing, everyone's going to want to blame him and bring back Henderson. So it's going to be a, a long summer for Ollie. But somewhere along the line, he has to make a big decision yeah. on what he's going to do. He can't just leave this as it is and try to go in between. Because De Gea... You know, as much as you know, he's done everything for United. What he's done for United has been incredible during those lean times after the boss retired, and he needs respect for that. So you can't keep keep doing this what he's doing because it's a dangerous game. With goalkeeper, you have to name one, and then it's up to the other goalkeeper how he deals with it. There's already a goalkeeper who's been he's been sent to Coventry, hasn't he? Really. Yeah. Mario Romero Romero yeah is it Romero yeah he's been sent to Coventry already so we don't know where what's happened to him but you need to you need that little bit because because it does affect players in the end if you if you don't communicate with them and you, you leave what they see as good people and you you just think you can just forget about them and carry on because other players will see that and and adjust and look at that and act accordingly. They, they won't feel they won't feel comfortable if you're just going to leave someone out in the blue in the wilderness. You need to make you need to make a decision, do it, own it, and then move on. All you needs to do that with the goalkeepers. Yeah, um, and they, I guess the other, you mentioned no plan B, and I, I kind of agree with that, but I mean, the, the, if we do have a plan B, it's in the choice of Pogba or Rashford on, on that left-hand side, um, or, or whether or he puts Greenwood on the bench as well. So there, there are options there. Um, it's, it's difficult to see. Um, maybe a, let, me just, let me just say this one, Wayne, quickly before, yeah? before we tie up. The easy option... 
is to put the young lad on the bench because he ain't going to moan. The brave option, the big brave option, is to put a player on the side because he's not playing well. And that one, you'd say Rashford on the bench then? Rashford on the bench. Paul Pogba's played in big games, loves a big, he's always seemed to enjoy a big game, play him. Greenwood has been playing too well, been too important when it's matters, scored crucial goals, has changed games, has lifted them, like he lifted them against Leicester, even though they didn't go their way, he came in as a sub, didn't he? And added something. And Marcus Rashford has had a lot of football, it's not really, not really done enough. People would look at stats, I look at 90 minutes of football, very, very inconsistent. Decision making of a kid, of a kid in the kindergarten on nine out of 10 occasions. Need, Needs need someone who's going to be playing there who you're going to believe in a lot of if you leave out Greenwood for Rashford there'll be a lot of disgruntled people because Greenwood at the moment has stepped on he's found his feet after a while after what happened with him while he was away in international duty finding his way keep him on a high and I think if you play him in the final he's the one player who can make something happen in the box he's the one that Cavani has a connection with as well yeah no that, that's does, fair yeah yeah Cavani doesn't have a connection with Rashford because at the moment Rashford is disconnected from a lot of things at the moment in time needs to find his feet needs to find his mindset which is football it's been taken off course he needs to put football first yeah um, one last thing then the, the um, approach of the game it's going to be 4-2-3-1 it's going to be McTominay and Fred in the middle um, and Wan-Bissaka and Shaw are going to play at fullback. We know Fernandez is going to play in, in that um, withdrawn forward role. How does Oli work this one? Does he treat it as if it's Burnley at home or does he treat it as if it's Man City away? And you know what I'm saying with this. United at their best, in the best games, in the biggest games, have played to that counter-attacking strength. They've been unapologetic about that. They've been conservative, they've been disciplined, they've been professional and they've probably in those moments played their best football but a team like Villarreal are going to see that they're going to see what happened to Sociedad they're going to see what happened to Man City they're not going to not Emery knows this United team he's played against them he's beat this United team how does Oli go with it you know does he treat it as though United are favourites so does he just think no this is a big game let's play to what I think my strengths are and even though Villarreal might be the lesser side and it may probably makes for a more excruciatingly difficult final play that more disciplined role as if he's playing against a team like City yeah I just think he's going to he'll tell McTominay and Fred to sit deep and if anything they're going to attack they're going to attack from wide positions because mm. to be honest the two, the two in the middle can't really play attacking football so he's, he's virtually going to he's going to have he's going to have four attacking players that's what he's going to have <clears throat> I, won't, I won't bother naming them because I think you know they are already well you know the, well the, 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 it's the main four he's got yeah. <clears throat> who plays up front wherever starts and that would be the, the certs of Cavani and Fernandez. Yeah, the one dead. Everything's going to central wise is going to be through those two, but it's about who is going to play in the wider areas. <clears throat> That's why I think sometimes Pogba should play because Pogba's going to maybe sit that little bit deeper, not going to be running forward all the time with the ball. So that, that gives you that little bit extra stability in that midfield as well, rather than playing Rashford 
and um, Rashford and Greenwood as well. Mm. So I think that gives them that extra body as well in that sense. So I think it is going to be that way. He will be conservative. It's his first final he goes into. He's lost quite a few semi-finals in a short space of time. He wants to win. His, he's in his first final. That is right, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, his first final. And he, wa- and he wants to win it. He doesn't want to lose it. That's the, th- that's the thing about it. He's not going to want that to happen. So I think he's definitely going to be a little bit more conservative about it. And Emery, as you say, does know Manchester United well. Simple as that. He had that, you know, he had that spell at Arsenal. At the end of the day, he's another manager who's come into a, a club that's got issues up above, and he was just he's just found himself, you know, in a in a poor position initially when he started, and a poor position when he left. So there was no, you know, at the end of the day, he didn't do himself, you know, didn't get maybe get what he deserved out of doing that job. But he does know Manchester United well, and he knows the players well very well. So it may, that's why this is a, a dangerous game for Manchester United, really, really dangerous. One that, you know, at the moment, is Man United are favourites. That's only because only there's been a lot of United fans who have gone for it in the bookies. But I think if you look in the football point of view, I think everyone at the moment is juggling. Yeah, it's, it's very even as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah. And it's diff- so difficult to call. Um, and, yeah, I've probably still got those million nil-nil draws that we had with them back in the day ringing in my head, even though um, both sets of players are completely different as they were 14, 15 years ago. Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week to talk about how that final goes and, and you know, maybe we'll be critical of Ole, maybe we won't, but you know, I think we're both on the same side in that we've definitely seen progression under Ole this season. It's just what that progression looks like in a week's time well in, in f- 72 hours time really um, but yeah going to be very interesting um, if you um, enjoyed the show give it a, dis- um, a discount remember TOTD 10 for the discount with classic football shirts um, but if you enjoyed the show don't give it a discount give it <laughs> a nice healthy re- review or rating on Apple Podcasts if you, if you did enjoy it uh, please uh, remember as well my film with BT Sport will air straight after the final so you can that's um, True Genius George Best um, based on the book that I wrote of him so um, you know if, if we win in enjoy the crest of a wave of another European final or commiserate with uh, some of the best football you've ever seen from one of the best footballers we've ever seen um, yeah that's it guys we'll be back next week to review the, the final stay safe stay well and thanks for listening away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for McDonald's maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.